1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Well, there is a problem in all of that. No Dave Schwartz today. He has youth sports coaching duties and then the Wild and Stars later in the day at the Excel Energy Center. Steve Thompson in. You normally hear me on Saturdays filling in for Henry Lake on weeknights. On occasion here on CCO. Pete, good to visit with you and, uh, Going to be a lot of fun over the next two hours.
3: I'm looking forward to it, Steve. I love listening to you. It's going to be even more fun working with you. So, this is, I'm excited about it. And we got a lot of stuff to cover, man. It's a lot of stuff to cover.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where we start. We got the Bikes <laughs> and Saints at home. We'll get into that in more detail a little bit later on. That is a noon start, by the way, is Saints favored by three if you follow that sort of thing. Uh, but Golden Gopher football, near and dear to your heart. They go on the road to Purdue. They really needed this game and they get. Blown out.
3: Yeah, that was about as disappointing as as it could possibly be. Obviously, the Illinois game hurt a lot, but uh, I think the Purdue game it was just almost accepted. And I'm not saying they were looking ahead, Steve, but it was almost accepted that okay, we've got three games left, and we're looking at Purdue, we've got Ohio State, and then again Wisconsin. And knowing that Ohio State would be rough, uh, you had a good shot with Wisconsin and Purdue, and that puts you into a bowl contention, but um hopefully they weren't looking that far ahead because if they were this was absolutely a debacle the fact that they had the first four possessions they got four touchdowns for purdue that was um unacceptable and our defense has been our strong point that's the part of the you know of of football that we've really executed very well except for the latter part of the illinois game and then to give uh, Purdue the opportunity to run the football the way they did. They ran for 350 yards, Steve, <laughs> and they've been averaging 150. So our defense did not show up for the for the game.
2: Yeah, and it's a 2-7 Purdue game. They had one win in conference over Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I know it's on the road and on the road, uh, whatever the sport, doesn't matter. It, it is more difficult. But, yeah, 600 yards total offense, <laughs> there was a spot. During college football final I said to Jonathan Lower, studio coordinator, and, and Purdue had it deep in their own territory, and I think at that point they had it was their final drive where they went like ninety five yards. And that that was, you know, the the icing on the cake for Purdue, but it it, it was a sad drive to give up a ninety five yard drive late in the football game to Purdue like that.
3: Yeah, it it just shocked me that the defense didn't play up to what we've been watching. Because the the one thing this year has been, we've done a good job outside of the Michigan game. We've done a pretty good job of, of getting in front of the quarterback a little bit. We have the excitement of some of the linebackers that we've had. We've stopped the run. We've been a little bit weaker on the pass, but, uh, you know, and and all of this comes on a day where Kelly McManus actually, uh, I know he threw the ball too much in my opinion, but he had a great day. Uh, You know, overall, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's something that I think you could hang your hat on a little bit, but the defense did not show up. And and the fact that they dominated us uh, literally in every single quarter, the first and the second, the third, the fourth, you go through the whole thing. They put up 49 points on us and that's, this is a team that outside of the Michigan game, we, we didn't give up that kind of yards. We didn't give up that kind of uh, points. But unfortunately, that was the opportunity for Hudson Card, the quarterback, to have his best game of the year. Uh B, the running back, had his best game of the year. And when you do that, that's going to be a real problem. And that's what the defense just did not show up to play in the game.
2: A key guy who was out, Cody Lindenberg, not available again. He's been banged up, hampered yeah. by injury. Uh, when he is in there, he is a difference maker. That is huge, but still not an excuse, giving up 600-plus and 49 points to Purdue. And, Pete, now you have to quickly turn the page mm-hmm. and on the road at Ohio State. You've been in that boat over teams Playing the Ohio State Buckeyes, that's never easy in Columbus.
3: Oh boy, that's a, it's a beautiful stadium. It's big, it's loud, uh, but Ohio State is definitely one of the dominant teams, as we all know. They have been all year. They've been outstanding. We all know where they're ranked in the top. You've got Ohio State and Michigan somewhere fall into that top four for just about everybody. And they're undefeated. And the the quarterback is finally starting to find his rhythm at Ohio State. And obviously, when you've got a receiver like Harrison, they they have literally got it all. As a matter of fact, when I I look at the receiver, I I think of a guy who potentially could be a receiver to actually win the Heisman Trophy. I don't think it's going to happen. They almost always give it to a quarterback. But that's going to be a scary one for us because if our defense doesn't show up and they look anything like we did at Purdue – that is going to be a really, really ugly game in a hurry. And it's unfortunate because I think Ohio State is looking in front and they're saying, you know, we take out the Gophers, we close out this season the right way, we're going to take down Michigan. And that's the way they're looking at it, but the Gophers are first. And unless they look past the Gophers, this is going to be a really, really tough game, I think, at Ohio State.
2: Four minutes, Minnesota at Ohio State, home to Wisconsin. By the way, Wisconsin got beat by Northwestern. They're having a down year. There's still an opportunity for the Gophers here to get that magic sixth win and become bowl eligible. (laughs)
3: You know what? It just doesn't feel good, though, does it, Steve?
2: No, no, no. (laughs) Some of the wins or some of the defeats on the resume, for sure. Well,
3: what I feel uh, the worst about is uh, earlier in the season, there was a caller who called up and he said, let's go through this one by one. And And it was it was interesting because I hadn't really done that. But we went through each game and this was about maybe week four of the of the Big Ten season. And I I started going through it, and I th- said, you know, I, I I think we might be a six and six ball club based upon what we're seeing, and you know what, uh, it looks like we are on pace for something like that. Now, if we get the six wins, does that give us enough? Is I, I, if we're six and six, are we going to go to a bowl? And if we go to a bowl, what kind of bowl are we going to be going to? You know, that's I, I think all of that comes into uh, into play. And Ohio State, that's going to be brutal. Now, we get the home game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I don't know what's wrong there, Steve, but they just have not been able to find whatever it is that they need because they got a great running back. I know there's been questions about quarterbacks at Wisconsin, it seems like forever, but I'll tell you what, Braylon Allen is one of the one of the better running backs, I think, in the entire country. So that's going to be a challenge for the defense as well. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that game unfolds because the Ohio State game I'm not writing it off that that's an, a 100% loss, but uh, it's got to be something north of 90% that we go Oof. in there, and it's going to be tough.
2: Yeah, n- no doubt. You, you look at the Big Ten West, and there's been a lot of hand-wringing about Iowa gets that win over Rutgers 22-0. The under again, all-time record low over (laughs) under of 28 for those of you that follow that sort of thing and iowa got it back in the red zone and had a chance to go over and they eventually (laughs) run out the clock win a 22 rip it's absolutely insane they lead the big 10 west but things are going to change in the big 10 oregon Washington, UCLA, USC, you look at the skill and the speed of those teams that are coming our way in the very near future.
3: Yeah, that's going to be pretty scary, and no longer will we have the West. This was our opportunity, probably our best opportunity that we've had for a shot at winning the West, and unfortunately, we have stumbled, stumbled, stumbled. Obviously, the Northwestern game sticks out, but then you go to the Illinois game and now the Mm -hmm. Purdue game. And you look at what Iowa's been able to accomplish this year, just on defense. It's—I've it, never seen anything quite like it, Steve. I really haven't, because their offense is 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 putrid. They're absolutely awful, and yet they seem to have themselves into a position. And, and and outside of that that one play against the Gophers on that punt return that was questionable for a lot of people. Some people say it's obvious and everything else, but whatever, however you view that, that one play. This team would be nine and one right now. And a lot of people would wonder how on earth could they, <laughs> could they have nine wins going into this? And, and, and I think you're right about what's going on with the PAC 12. I think that's the best conference in football this year. I truly do. And I, I look at teams like Oregon and Washington, and they're coming to the big 10 USC, UCLA, USC with their, with their quarterback, a Heisman trophy winning quarterback, they have stumbled. It seems like, and they have absolutely no ability to play defense. So I think it's going to be interesting when they do come to the Big Ten and, and to see how they actually fit in. I think that Oregon team, that Oregon coach, um, is is as good a football team as I've seen play both sides of the ball and running the ball. But Bo Nix, in my opinion, he should be the dark horse for the Heisman Trophy because he has, he has done everything that he should have to do to be able to prove to people that he wins the Heisman.
2: Yeah, and his play – to this point has been overshadowed by others. A lot of headlines today about Jaden Daniels down at LSU, 600 yards in total offense for that young man.
3: (laughs) And that's impressive. I think sometimes uh, the Heisman committee likes to look at the wins, losses, and all that kind of a thing. And that's the only thing maybe hurting Jalen. He's a great kid. I have friends on the coaching staff down there at LSU, and they just speak about him in the highest way. They think he's outstanding young man not just a quarterback but he's he's a great leader and so they're pretty excited about him but Bo Nix what he's been able to do this year the and the the minimal amount of interceptions he's just got a couple and then when you look at he's the most efficient when it comes to throwing the the percentage completion is unbelievable for the number of passes he throws in a game. It's incredible. But that offense at Oregon has been fun to watch. They had the one loss up at Washington who's undefeated. That tells you a little something about the Pac-12 and just how good they are
2: quick break the sports huddle continues pete Nigerian producer charlie weiss we're going to talk some volleyball why is that their fourth title in a row in straight sets over new prague at the xl energy center great crowd i was there for it and uh, we are going to visit with scott jackson the head coach in a moment here on news talk 830 wcco call from mom answer it call silenced It is the sports huddle. Steve in for Dave. Pete Nigerians' here, producer Charlie Weiss. High school sports in the spotlight right now, and we're pleased to be joined by Scott Jackson. He is a head coach of the four-time champ now, Isetta Trojans, a volleyball team. And, uh, Scott, congrats to you and the team on an unbelievable year, unbeaten. I looked it up. I believe you dropped four sets all season.
4: Yep, you got those details right. It was a a great night last night to to enjoy and uh, um, lots of tears at the end because it's over, but happy, too, that we had the experience. So a lot of fun.
3: I got to tell you, Scott, uh, it's unbelievable the dominance that you guys have and the fact that uh, you you had a great – uh match however they gave you a pretty good battle they were in each of those those three games but uh obviously you took care of business the the right way was it something specific about about your players this year that you saw something special
4: well they're really senior dominated and that can that can work out the wrong way at the end of the season if they're thinking about the end but they didn't Mm -hmm. they stayed in the moment really well um and uh, just fought for each other and did a great job. I will mention that New Prague, they're really well-coached, really talented kids, and just they really put some pressure on us last night. It, it probably looked like an ugly match to the untrained eye, but it was because each team was putting a lot of pressure on each other. So it was just a lot of fun to, to get to compete at that highest level and, uh, and to come out on the right side of it, of course. So
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up New Prague, Avery Klein and Kyla Klein they're, they're not the biggest kids on the floor but they can really fly i was really impressed on particularly how those two played and and how they played together they
4: were a really good team yeah those two and then i uh there well barrel i can't remember her name right now it Was a younger player who's very oh kira talented. Brundage. yeah yeah yep she was really good and then uh Emerson Dillon on the outside for them is just a great ball control kid and played super aggressive last night. I thought helped them with a lot of things. And their setter, I think her name is Annalise Wilson. I'm pretty sure that's the right name, but uh, yep. she's yeah she's good and uh, she's keeping keeping them in intact. In if and huge shout out to Avery Klein with like we game planned to slow her down. Like if we felt like if we could slow Avery down. Um, they would have a hard time keeping up with all of our players. And it did work out that way. We did slow her down a little bit. But if we're going to game plan for an individual kid, I think that's a, a huge compliment to her. So
3: That says a lot. And, and, and Scott, how about you uh, sp- speak to us a little bit about the twin sisters. There is something really special mm-hmm. about Olivia and Stella. and Just tell us a little bit about what they're going to be doing. They're going to the University of Minnesota, I understand. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, they're going to be on the, the Gopher squad. Uh, they're, they're graduating a bit early. They'll be there this spring. And uh, I think they, they have an opportunity to immediately help over there and just be – they're just great team members. Um, they, they are great leaders. Um, they're really fiery. They have really different personalities as twins, um, you know, though, too. And it's just – it's been a fun journey for four years so, to watch them uniquely grow, you know, still in this linked way. And uh, they, are, they are phenomenal people first from a great family that works so hard at volleyball and takes so much pride in it and wear a lot they've worn a lot for XYZ volleyball the last 4 years and I'm just really appreciative of the two of them so Scott
2: Jackson joining us, head volleyball coach at Wyzeta. The Trojans won their fourth consecutive state title last night, beating New Prague in straight sets, three-zero. And joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline. Scott, I got to ask you uh, about uh, others on the team because it, it is such a balanced group that you know, if if they load up to uh, set up a block for Olivia Swenson, you've got others, Katie Kelsenberg. Uh, you know, it yeah. it just goes on and on. Avery Jesuits, and then of course you brought up your your uh, the libero on the New Prague team, but uh, you got a pretty good libero as
4: well. Yeah, to start with Bianca, our libero Bianca Nister is uh, going to UCSB Santa Barbara the next four years. Why I'd like to oh. trade places—that <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun, right?
3: <laughs> that,
4: I'm with you. That sounds great, especially as we're getting ready for winter here. And she deserves every bit of it. She's a real thoughtful, hardworking kid. You know, and uh, everybody wants, you know, all-conference, all all that stuff. And um, she was going to just narrowly beat on some of those awards, you know, the all-state, all-metro type stuff. She was all-conference. But she was going to beat out on some of those other ones. But for her to get all-tournament team was really gratifying last night. And then Katie Kelsenberg has just been a warrior for us. You didn't mention her, uh, Riley Kurth, our other middle. No. But we were just long in that position. We can set any one of our hitters. You know, Swenson's little sister, Eva, uh stepped in on the right side for us, did a phenomenal job. She had a couple of big, timely kills for us last night that were really important and just sets up a, a huge block and even played some some floor defense as well that did really well. And there's a, a, a kid that plays our kind of our third left behind Olivia and Avery named Chloe Locus but we used her more as a DS and a little bit in the front row this year. And, and she, a couple of times here in the postseason, she led us in digs, you know, and just did great in service just a real Big stabilizer and great personality on the court, great leader herself, and just really pleased with all of them. You're right; we had a lot of like. You don't go 34 and 0 because of one kid. You go 34 and 0 because of a collection of kids, right? So it's uh, pretty cool. So.
3: Scott, not to look forward too fast, but uh, I, I know you're losing some players, and you just mentioned some of them, and uh, boy, that's Santa Barbara. Uh, I'm the most jealous guy on the planet for that one. <laughs> not that the University of Minnesota is not great, but you know this time of year, huh, maybe not. But what does it look like for, for next year's team at Wyzetta? Because obviously you've been putting together these teams year after year at four consecutive state titles. What does it look like for 2024?
4: Yeah, it'll be our, our largest turnover yet but I will share we also just came off our JV team was the best it's been in years you know there's a bit of a log jam on our varsity like we had some kids playing JV that would play varsity on other teams certainly and they they kind of represented that way where they they had just minimal number of losses I think just two or three losses you know playing with more balanced playing time and such and some really good players in there there were three freshmen on that team two we two of them we pulled up to our our postseason roster, and then a, a host of good juniors, and then a couple of good sophomore uh, defensive players, and the future's bright. We're certainly going to miss this senior class a lot, but the future is really bright, and we, play, we plan on challenging and just raising these kids up to be the best they can be, and see what happens next year and beyond. It's going to be fun.
2: So, Scott Jackson joining us. Why is that a volleyball fourth title in a row? Marshall won in 3A, uh, 2A, Pequot Lakes, 1A. RTR gets it done, and and being at the state tournament on on Wednesday and then again on Saturday, uh, the the quality of volleyball for from the big schools all the way down to the smallest towns is really good in this state.
4: Yeah, it's just there's so many kids pursuing this with a you know a big heart and a lot of commitment and sacrifice um, across the state. And it's really representing itself well with the girls, and we're so excited too as a as a volleyball community that the boys are coming on board. We have got more and more boys playing as well, and that's going to be a spring sport starting next spring. We got a club level for one more year, and then spring of uh, twenty five, it'll be a, a, a state high school league sanctioned sport. And the so volleyball is just booming. You guys have probably seen some of the attendance ridiculousness. This like that Nebraska had like ninety one thousand people <laughs> yeah. in the in their. Uh, in the football stadium down there early in the the fall before it got cold here and for a volleyball game. And then just a couple of weeks ago, right after the, we enjoyed the Vikings beating the Packers. There was the, the Gophers unfortunately lost to Wisconsin in volleyball, but it was on national TV and there was like 1.6 million viewers or something like that. I remember <laughs> thinking, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's just, it's just booming. And, uh, it's only going to get better and bigger, and kids just work so hard at it in our state and you know really throughout the country. But Minnesota is certainly represented really well. So just really excited about the current and future of uh, volleyball here. So
3: Scott, before we let you go, I just got to tell you uh, congratulations on being in, inducted into the Volleyball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. That's uh, that's a great honor, and you you are well deserved, man. That's uh, it's unbelievable oh, what you've accomplished. I appreciate
4: that. It was a banquet Tuesday night, and uh, anytime somebody talked to me. Tuesday night or Wednesday, it's like my heart is full. I don't know what else to say. Just like that's the only way I can explain how that all felt was just to be recognized by your peers and the community that you work within. It was a big, uh, like, it's not why you do it, but boy, it was, it just, I felt so appreciated. And uh, I think that's cool. And, you know, an age when sometimes coaches get the brunt of things, right. It it was a cool moment for me to, to get that. And I certainly have uh, benefited from being a lot of great kids and families and a great community too. So it was really fun. So, but thank you. Well, an amazing
2: run, Wyzetta Volleyball. Scott, good to visit with you. Congrats to Wyzetta and and all the kids. And, and I know it's bittersweet. You win that title yeah. and, and some great players move on in life.
4: Yeah, we, we wish them the best. And as we told them in our last little team huddle yesterday, it's like if anything we could ever do for each other, we know we'll have each other's back. Coach to player, player to coach, player to player. We're a we're sisterhood uh, doesn't end, um, with last night's win. It's, it goes on forever here. So it's going to be a lot of fun to to see what they do next. So. Well, that's great.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Scott Jackson, head coach volleyball at a four titles in a row, 34 and oh, they dropped four sets all season. The last coming to (laughs) Champlin park in late September as section rival, by the way. Um, It is 1032. It is the sports huddle. Pete Najarian's here. Charlie Weiss is our producer. Steve Thompson in for Dave Schwartz today here on News Talk, 830 WCCO. All right, well, no no
1: Pete and Dave today, but we got (laughs) Steve and Pete today, so we'll start it off right at the top here. Uh, Let's start with you, Dave, though, Pete. Uh, We have not gotten to the Wolves yet, so let's get into it. The Wolves have been off to a torrid torrential start with that suffocating defense behind uh, rudy gobert 's big presence in the middle and the offense it 's been passable maybe it hasn 't been everything that you would hope at times, but it 's been more than good enough to get them off to a six and two start as the crowds pour back into the target center expectations, right or wrong do continue to rise for this team even this early in the season. My question, Pete. What does a successful season for the Wolves look like at this point? Now they're off I to 6-2. Think... and two. They've beaten Denver. They've beaten Boston. They've shown that they can play with the big boys at times. What does that look like for you?
3: Well, and, and I think that was really important, Charlie, the fact that they, they can compete with the big boys. They can beat Denver and they actually can. And and I think a successful season would be to go deep into the playoffs, not just get into the first or second round, but go deep and, and at least be competitive. Uh, I don't think we were very competitive last year against Denver, uh, The defense is certainly something I think they should be very proud of. Rudy Gobert is finally, it feels like they're finally gelling. And I I think it's, in fairness, it takes a little while for everybody to get together. But you've got Cat, he's still shooting, he's scoring. You've got Ant, I think Ant's still one of the most electric players in the entire NBA. Nas Reed's one of my favorites. He's a grinder, and I think the fans absolutely love him. Uh, and then you look at Conley and McDaniel's. When you look at their roster, they look like a team that could make a run. And and based upon what we're seeing early, if this can continue, and we can stay away from injuries, I think we could successfully get deep into the playoffs. I don't know that we get to the championship round, but I think that uh, I think we can go pretty deep.
2: I I completely agree, Pete. And I think the X factor is Mike Conley and all of this. I, I I've got to jump in. Brilliant move to bring in Conley, his experience, the way he works with Gobert, the way he distributes. It, he, he's an older player. He's in his mid-30s right now, 36, I believe. But he is a perfect fit for this team and what they need in a leadership spot to, to make sure Gobert gets his touches and Ant gets the ball and Cat gets the ball. And they have spent the money to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, Glenn Taylor and his new partners, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, they are spending the money. There is no doubt. There is a huge commitment money-wise to this group. And I think, you know, you got to get beyond the first round. And injuries and so on and so forth and the way the ball bounces. But, yeah there's no doubt deep playoff run for sure is is minimum expectation for the money being spent
3: yeah and And they're doing so well at home uh you know it's it's just been impressive and they've won five in a row now it's uh you know and taking down the spurs with that great player that they've got that nobody can quite figure out exactly what his real position is despite his height i mean the guy can shoot from anywhere and he's got that wingspan so the fact that we took that that team down you took the celtics down you take the nuggets down that's that's pretty impressive guys
1: yep that went. Benyama kid is he's a freak I mean you look at his arms man oh man that's uh he's gonna be fun to watch for many years yeah. with the Spurs down in San Antonio Steve we'll go over to you here on the other end of the spectrum the wild struggle to continue season uh continues uh with their defensive struggles really at the forefront Jared Spurgeon is now back so you're hoping maybe it's not you know it doesn't always turn around overnight but you know maybe that steadying presence of Jared Spurgeon may be able to bring that defense back. But the offense and goaltending have not exactly been great all season either, particularly uh, Kirill Kaprizov has not really been the Kaprizov that we've seen in seasons past. Slow start, yes, maybe, we'll see. It's going to take some time. Right now, though, this just looks like a not very good hockey team in uh, the league today. What are your expectations for the Wild the rest of the season?
2: It all comes down to one thing, goaltending. I've heard this line before. The reason they they call it the Stanley Cup playoffs is because goalie doesn't sound as good. Hmm. They've got to get better goaltending to start with. Granted, Jared Spurgeon out of the lineup hurts the goaltending because it, it's so incumbent on the blue line the defense to help out the goaltender but but getting more out of Philip Gustafson and let's face father time is undefeated how much more are you going to be able to get out of Marc-Andre Fleury Uh, that that is a gigantic question but Gustafson uh has got to be better the blue line's got to be better in front of him and I think Kirill Kaprizov will come around they've had a tough schedule they've had a lot of games out east they haven't done a lot out east i think the schedule settles down a little bit they'll get some of those east coast trips out of their system i I think they'll be okay i still think they can get to the playoffs let's face it uh 16 teams get into the tournament uh but but it's incumbent on getting much better play out of the blue line and the goaltenders
1: yep and it's worth noting they started slow last year too this is not exactly a new thing for this team they did end up turning it around a little bit towards the second half pete go ahead
3: yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you're exactly right. And I think uh, when I look at Gustafson, he's not playing at the level that we... Last year, he was absolutely incredible. We talked about him every single week, it seemed like, because he was doing so well. And then obviously having Flurry there. But it's not just on the goaltender, as you, you you guys are both pointing out. But I think the reality is, that is where it needs to step up on the defensive side. Only one team has given up more goals this year, and that's San Jose. So. It says something about where we are. We've got to outscore them. But if we can just improve slightly, even on the, from the goaltending standpoint, I think we've got a shot to get back into it. But if we if we pause too long, I think we're going to be in too deep of a hole.
1: Yep. All right. Let's move on here back to you, Pete. We're going back to the court. You're getting all the basketball questions today. Pete, I know how big of a basketball fan you are. But we are going to go for basketball, who are 2-0 and on this young season. And uh, they've been putting on an offensive performance, putting up over 100 in their last game. Now, of course, it's against bad to very bad teams. Uh, what was it, UTSA, I think, was their last opponent. They scored over 100. And then the first game was Bethune-Cookman. So, you know, the big names. Uh, yeah. And this was, of course, though, uh, they they still put up that 100 without Pharrell Payne, uh, their star center. So interesting uh, offense going on. Freshman Cam Christie had a great coming out party in that second game, uh, shooting the ball lights out. He came out, I think, with three straight threes. Uh, It's kind of showing a little glimmer of hope at the barn, is it not, Pete? What are your odds on two things? All right, Because I've asked this before, and I want to know if it's changed at all. What are the odds that the Gophers are the worst team in the Big Ten this year, and what are the odds that Ben Johnson is able to survive the season?
3: Well, if, if we are anywhere close to the worst, I think it's gonna be very difficult for Ben Johnson to hold on to his job. You know, and and part of it, as you know and we all know, is you've got to get fans in the stands. And obviously we've seen over the years that, that that hockey has come back really, really well. We have not really seen that with basketball. And I I come from the era, Charlie, I'm a lot older than you, but there was there was not an empty seat in the barn when I was going to college there, when I was getting recruited there, and even after uh, years of being there. And it was just a very competitive gopher basketball team every single year. And we haven't been competitive for a while now. So um, I'm excited. Obviously, you want to win the games. You want to win every game. But I don't want to get overly excited. And I'll give you a little hint of what I mean by that. It's kind of like what we saw last week where everybody watching the Vikings game Absolutely, felt like wow, we we've got a quarterback finally. Well, maybe, but we've got to look at at Joshua Dobbs and and really see exactly what he has. And I think the same thing is true with the, with the Gopher basketball. This is this is very early. Are we are we as good as we think we are? Are we going to judge that uh, too fast? And I think it's exciting that we win a couple of games early. But the fact that uh, it's really early, they're not the teams, they are not Big Ten teams, I don't think we want to hang our hat too much on what they've done so far.
2: Yeah, and and Pete, I'll follow up on that. I I think Ben Johnson put in a really tough spot here in in the era of name, image, and likeness. It is so difficult to build something from scratch. And there is talent here in the state of Minnesota, but when you get the top-end talent and Dukes calling or – other big-time programs around the country. And it's not a secret anymore. This is a hotbed of of boys and girls basketball talent. And then you throw in that name, image, likeness money into the mix. And if the program is struggling and people aren't showing up at the barn, it, it becomes a hard sell to keep talent or bring talent in. It is all about recruiting and getting kids once they're in the door to stay and that's a challenge for Ben Johnson especially when you're struggling.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, and Charlie Go Charlie ahead. we've talked about this a lot but the NIL thing is huge and Steve that's great that you point that out because we just don't have the same kind of money that other schools have. And 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 I've always said they need to cap it. They need to figure out something to make sure that it the big don't get bigger and everybody else is left behind. And I somehow they've got to figure this thing out because as mm-hmm. it's played out right now, there are schools that have great alumni support and, and, and we just don't have that financial support. So I, I don't like it. I don't like the whole way that NIL has been has transformed. And it's it certainly hurts teams like Minnesota.
2: Well, and I, I want to follow up, Pete. It's it's a great idea. You, you've got a hard cap in the NFL. You've got a hard cap in the NBA. Uh, luxury tax provisions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, trying to rein it in. But you, you look at those, the NFL is a hard cap league. and And I think they've got to find a way to do something like that in college sports as well.
1: Yeah, important uh, to note that these were the biggest victories in Ben Johnson's young career uh, thus far, his biggest uh, blowout yeah. victories. Also mm-hmm. interesting to see what uh, Richard Petino is doing down at New Mexico, getting a lot of early season yeah. Final Four buzz with the team he has put together there. Uh, we're going to go back to – who are we on? I think we're on Steve here for the final question. We'll go quick. He is officially now the $76 million unemployed man, Jimbo Fisher, fired – from Texas A&M, the Texas A&M head coaching job. His contract is fully guaranteed, so that is $76 million that he is getting paid regardless. That buyout is almost certainly why he's been around for as long as he has at A&M, in that he's not been producing very good results for a school that expects dominance in the sport of college football. It will go down as one of the worst head coaching hires and contracts for a head coach in history, without a doubt. My question to you, Steve. What is the creme de la creme of horrible head coaching hirings? Who is the absolute worst head coach hire that you could possibly remember? Any?
2: Sport. Well, I, I, beyond Tim Brewster, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop at Tim. <laughs> that was a layup. I gave you a layup.
3: Yeah, you gave me a cookie there, man.
2: Pete,
1: you got to do one that's not Brewster. Find one, and, Gosh, one in your heart. And
3: you, you know, I, I know how difficult, this is a really difficult question, and, and, I, and I don't know that I have a great answer for you, but I can tell you this. I know that when they did hire Jimbo, I thought that was, at the time, an awful move. He had one great year at Florida State, but it was left to him by Bobby Bowden. And he got so much credit, which I don't think was deserved, that I would still stick with that. Uh, You know, I I, I just can't imagine uh, how they decided to give him the kind of money they gave him. He had no success. He had minimal. I shouldn't say no, but, you know, nine wins at Texas A&M when you're paying the guy $9 million a year, I would say that's not a win. And, and that's, they have the alumni. They have that kind of money. They have great NIL money. So he's got all of these players. Think about how many guys that he grabbed that were considered five-star recruits, out-recruiting out Alabama. But it still comes down to coaching and putting them in the right spot, and that team couldn't do it.
2: Yeah, huge. Huge money for Jimbo as he's shown the door by AM. Quick break. Huddle continues. Pete Nigerian, Charlie Wee, Stephen for Dave today. Here on News Talk. 830 WCCO. And we are going to get to that Cities One plumbing and heating talk and text line here on the Sports Huddle. Pete Najarian, producer Charlie Weese Steve Thompson in for Dave Schwartz. He had coaching duties today, and then, of course, uh, the Wild and the Stars later today at 5 at the X. He'll be in the building for that, and he'll certainly be back next week on the program. More on, on college football and from our uh, talk and text line, Jimbo was awful at Florida State. He was only good for two years at Jameis Winston. Helps to have a quarterback like that, Pete.
3: Mm -hmm. It it certainly does. But but you know what? You still got to give credit to the coaches for – being yep. able to recruit the right guys that that fit in, and you know I, there is a lot more to it. Look, look at what Jameis has done at the professional level. Nothing close sure. to what he did at college. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, guys kind of forget that side of things. So Jimbo did something. I'm not. I'm not being overly critical about Jimbo. I, I think the reality is that he had a great year. He obviously won a national title. He did a lot of things right. But to give that kind of money, Steve, I guess if if the school can afford it, the stu- the school can afford it. But you know his contracts, and, and we're 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 going back. You know, a few years ago. I mean, we're going back when when other guys weren't getting the kind of money that he's getting now. It's absolutely incredible, and and it's just uh, the fact that they could put out ninety million bucks a year and now pay the whole thing off gives you a little bit of an idea of of what kind of support they have at Texas A and M versus maybe the University of Minnesota.
2: And do you get to sense, Pete, that? you know they they kind of pull some of the big boosters and say all right we need this guy out the door who's going to pony up and help pay the bill
3: <laughs> i think so I, yeah. I i think that's exactly what they do and actually they do that on the way out when they're uh, when they're going out to try to find the next coach that they think is going to be yeah. the next greatest guy and and they go out there and they get the commitments. And it's something that uh, I think at Minnesota here, and I've said this forever, when you've got the Fortune 500 companies that we've got, if you can hit up the corporate side, not the individual side, but the corporate type of, of, of money that could be gotten, um, that could be something huge for the University of Minnesota. I don't think we've been aggressive enough on that side of things. And it's we're starting to see that. I mean, you, you, you take a look, and Charlie brought it up a couple weeks ago, but... You look over at Oregon, and, and we've, they've got a running back. Not that we don't have a lot of great running backs at Minnesota already, but they've got one of our running backs over there. Why did he go to Oregon? Well, NIL money. Uh, we don't really have it. They do. And unfortunately, that puts us in a position where we can't hold on to players.
2: Uh, speaking of bad coaching hires from our tech side, how about Jerry Faust back in the day at <laughs> Notre Dame? That was one thrown out. He there. recruited me. He was a yeah. great
3: guy, though, I'll tell you. A wonderful man. I loved him to death, but he was not a college coach. Huddle <laughs> continues in a moment.